1: Hello, and welcome to the Latin American History Podcast, Episode 2.2, Ancient Mexico, Part 1. Last week, we discussed the arrival of the Latin American peoples, where they came from, and when they first arrived. We saw that, although we have many answers, we still have many questions, and there are lots of things we don't know. Today we will focus on the most northern part of Latin America, Mesoamerica. That is, today's Mexico, Guatemala, and parts of Central America like Belize and the northern bits of El Salvador and Honduras. Mesoamerica was home to many complex civilizations, and it's considered one of the six cradles of humanity. It is famous for being home to the Aztecs and the Mayans, however these are just two of the many civilizations that rise and fell in the area. Many of the things that we think of when we think of the Aztecs and the Mayans were actually established by older cultures, and they also had contemporaries which rivaled their more famous cousins. Most of these civilizations left behind impressive ruins, and often writing systems as well. This means we have lots and lots to go on when talking about the history of Mesoamerica. There will in fact be six episodes focusing on the pre-Columbian history of this area. This episode and the next will focus on ancient Mesoamerica, and lay the groundwork for the Mayans and the Aztecs. Hopefully along the way I can shed some light on some equally fascinating but largely unknown civilizations. As we discovered last week, we don't have a strong chronology for the arrival of people in Mesoamerica, and it's impossible to say when people first arrived and who they were. We also don't know where they came from. They may have moved down from the modern USA, or arrived on the Pacific coast and spread out from there. For all we know, they could have arrived from the south, although this seems less likely. The earliest evidence of human habitation that I could find is at Matanchén, in the current day state of Nayarit on the Pacific coast of Mexico. The Paleo-Indian phase of Mesoamerican history, that is, the time of hunter-gathering before settlement and agriculture, is believed to have lasted until between 10,000 and 8,000 BC. Of course, this date would have varied between regions. These people probably would have lived in a manner similar to European cavemen, living in small groups and moving around in search of animals to hunt. People eventually discovered agriculture and permanent or semi-permanent villages would have started to spring up as people became tied to where they'd planted their crops. It is thought that the first real distinct culture to develop was the Copacha, which emerged on the Pacific coast of Mexico. These people are thought to have existed for around a thousand years before dying out in around 1000 BC. They produced a distinctive style of pottery and buried their dead in shaft tombs. It's this pottery and these tombs that made them a unified culture and set them apart from their neighbours. For this reason, the Capacha can be seen as the first real step forward in Mesoamerican history. There is also evidence that in the later centuries, they traded with other peoples, such as those at El Opeño, further up the coast. Fascinatingly, there are some scholars who point to similarities between the Capacha style and those found as far away as Ecuador, They suggest that maybe there may have been trade and interaction between people across this massive distance, even that early. Now, right in the centre of Mexico lies an area known as the Valley of Mexico. Remember this because it's going to be very important throughout Mesoamerican history. It is thought that a people called the Tlatilco developed there around 1250 BC. Not much is known about these people, but we found pottery, figurines, grave goods and masks suggesting that they had their own unique style. This culture seems to have disappeared around 800 BC. The Capacha and Tlatilco were the first real cultures in Mesoamerica, but it's unlikely that they had a developed and organised state. Both cultures were first discovered around 1940, and they challenged previously held ideas about the development of Mesoamerica. It had previously been thought that a group called the Olmec were the first people to develop settlements and agriculture. Even if this wasn't the case, they were definitely the first to create what we would see as a state, and their civilization would have been much more impressive. Traditionally, the Olmecs have been seen as a Mesoamerican mother culture. It was thought that Olmec civilization gave birth to all those that followed. The discovery of earlier civilizations, then, poses a bit of a problem to this theory. During the later stages of the Teotihuacan culture, similarities start to emerge between their style of art and that of the Olmecs. Now, they may have come under the influence, at least culturally, of the Olmecs, or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe they were influencing the Olmecs. Unfortunately, we don't have enough evidence to really say. This hasn't stopped people arguing, however. Some historians prefer the term sister culture rather than mother culture, a concept which suggests that several civilizations developed independently the debate is still ongoing. Although they may not have been the first, there's no denying that the Olmecs had a massive influence on the whole of Mesoamerica, and that this influence continues right up until the present day. A crude analogy to help understand this can be found with the Greeks and the Romans. Of course, these sorts of analogies should be taken with caution. No two situations on opposite sides of the worlds will be exactly the same by any means, and there are many differences between ancient Mesoamerica and the ancient Mediterranean world. As you may know, the Romans considered themselves cultural descendants of the Greeks, and as such, they borrowed much culturally from them. Roman architecture is very similar to that of the Greeks, and their philosophical and literary traditions are also very similar. The Romans even borrowed the Greek gods, they just gave them different names. Later civilizations like the Aztecs or the Mayans had a similar cultural debt to the Olmec, They had similar styles of architecture, they played similar games, and they even had related gods and religious practices. This is what's meant by the term mother culture. The question is, whether the Capacha or the Tlatilco contributed to this evolution. Whether they did or not, however, there's no doubting that the Olmec took civilization in Mesoamerica to a new level. The Olmec were based around the Gulf of Mexico, in today's states of Tabasco and Veracruz. This region consists of steamy tropical lowlands and today is home to many large banana plantations. This is the area where Mexico is at its narrowest and the Atlantic coast starts to curve upwards to form the Yucatan Peninsula. It is thought, however, that their ancestors migrated from Chiapas, the state in the far southeast of Mexico near the border with Guatemala. It is here that their ancestors, known as the Mocaya, first formed small primitive settlements. It is also here that two prominent parts of Mesoamerican culture first developed. The farming of cacao, from which chocolate is derived, and the Mesoamerican ball game. These people then migrated to the Gulf of Mexico around 1200 BC. They founded their first city at San Lorenzo Tenochtitlan, not to be confused with the Aztec Tenochtitlan, which came much later. As I said before, this can be seen as the first true Mesoamerican state. Previous cultures consisted of villages, or groups of villages, with no central organisation. Olmec society, however, was ruled by social elites who could direct the efforts of the bulk of the population towards building great cities. These elites used jewellery and other symbols to mark their social status. That said, they lacked some institutions of state that later cultures had, such as standing armies. The Olmec were also the most scientifically advanced society to emerge so far. There are tentative suggestions that the Olmec may have developed the first writing system in the Americas, and several symbols have been found that resemble later Mayan hieroglyphics. Some historians also believe they may have created the Long Count Calendar famously used by the Mayans, although not everyone agrees with this statement. If true, this would mean that they had developed the concept of the number zero, an important mathematical concept that wasn't developed in Europe till much, much later. The Olmecs are also believed to have practiced human sacrifice, the grizzly practice which earned their descendant civilizations such infamy. Now seeing as I mentioned that the Olmecs invented the Mesoamerican ball game, and that it will be so important for later cultures, I may as well explain what it is now. The game was played by pretty much all later civilizations, and all the great cities are home to ball courts. These consisted of rectangular pieces of land often with ramp-like structures made of stone running lengthways down their sides. Their exact size varied, as with the ratio of length to width. These slopes, or aprons as they're called, were often covered in elaborate carvings depicting the game being played. At the bottom, they often had flat parts, which may have been used as seating for spectators. The ball courts were clearly given great importance and were often found right in the centre of cities, close to the main temples and the houses of the rulers. The game was played with rubber balls, made for a process of vulcanization. They could be up to 30 centimetres in diameter, although most were much smaller. As they were made from solid rubber, they were actually quite heavy, comparable to a cricket ball, and I imagine that often players would have ended the game with bruises. To combat this, they would have worn padding. Judging by the carvings, the players would also have worn ceremonial clothing and headdresses. These items don't survive today, unfortunately, so we don't know exactly what they would have looked like. The exact rules of the sport are also lost to time. We know that the players used their hips to direct the ball, a very strange part of the body to choose, although in some places sticks or rackets may have been used as well. It may have resembled volleyball, in that the aim was to stop the ball from bouncing too many times. Later courts had stone hoops built onto the aprons, and these may have been goals. It seems unlikely, however, that there would have been many goals scored, as these hoops are only slightly bigger than the size of the balls, and because of where they were located on the aprons. When you factor in the fact that they were using their hips to direct the ball, it seems almost impossible that they could have got the ball through the hoop. But maybe I'm just underestimating the ancient Mesoamericans. There are two variants of the game still played in Mexico today. Ulama is played in Sinaloa in northwest Mexico. It comes in three varieties, one played with a hip, one played with a forearm, and one with a stick. Pelota Perpetua is played in Michoacan. It resembles hockey as it's played with sticks. Sometimes the ball is set on fire, because, well, it's Mexico. These games are clearly descended from the ancient one, but how closely they resemble it is unknown. It's also likely that the original game varied depending on time and location. The game was not just a sport designed for entertainment, however. There were important religious and social aspects to the game. Kings would play occasionally, and there's an interesting story provided by an early Spanish missionary, which says that King once bet a year of his income on a ball game against some land. There is also a story that one Toltec King played the game against two of his rival kings, with the winner becoming ruler of the other two. It has therefore been suggested that the game may have sometimes been a substitute for war, If only today's leaders could settle their differences in this way. The carvings found at ball courts also suggest that the game may have had some kind of religious significance. Especially amongst the Maya, there seems to have been some kind of connection between the game and human sacrifice. Mesoamerican civilizations loved symbolism, and often their myths would be recreated in all sorts of strange places, such as the layouts of their cities. It has been suggested that the ball game may have represented the constant battle between the god of the sun and the god of darkness. The ball game plays an important part in the Mayan creation myth. In this myth, the lords of the underworld try to stop the game being played. They capture two twins, but the twins find ball game equipment and start playing. The gods of the underworld decide to create all sorts of deadly obstacles that the twins must navigate in order to continue playing the game. In the end, they challenge the gods to a game and win. It sounds just like a Hollywood film. Unfortunately, we can't be too specific with how the game was incorporated into religious life, as we just don't know. We do, however, know that it was very important. It is also one of the great cultural legacies of the Olmec. Probably one of the most recognisable features of the Olmec civilization are the giant stone heads that they left behind. These were made of basalt and transported to the Azmec heartlands from up to a hundred kilometers away. They depict men with flat noses and distinctive headdresses. They are all taller than a person. Some are twice a person's height. They weigh anything from between 6 and 50 tons, and their purpose is completely unknown. Like the Stoneheads of Easter Island, they're one of the ancient world's great mysteries. They do, however, demonstrate a considerable level of organization. It would have required a considerable amount of teamwork and effort to transport the huge blocks of stone and then carve them. It is this level of organisation that marks them out as the first real state in Mesoamerica. This and the fact that they extended their influence over quite a large area and built large population centres. For unknown reasons, the city of San Lorenzo was abandoned around 900 BC and a new city was founded at La Venta. La Venta continued Olmec civilization until around 400 BC, when it too seems to have suffered from a massive drop in population. And it's not known why this happened, but it's possible that environmental changes may have played a role. Several smaller successor cultures continued in the region, but none of them came close to achieving what the Olmecs had. With the decline of the Olmecs, the center of civilization shifted to the delightfully spelt region of Oaxaca. This is on the Pacific side of Mexico, but still close to the part where Mexico is at its thinnest. This is a mountainous region, and home to many different ethnic groups. The two most important are the Zapotec and the Mixtec. The Zapotecs lived, and still live today, in the eastern part of Oaxaca, and in around 700 BC started to develop their own civilization. Hereditary leaders started to appear, and villages started to turn into towns and cities. Grand buildings started to appear as did centralised city-states. This period is also characterised by increased competition and warfare between these city-states, and this feeling of threat may have contributed to further organisation and centralization, as people banded together to protect themselves. A noble class formed, tasked with protecting the people and governing society. It appears there may have been pressure on these nobles to be seen to be doing this. In return for living a life of luxury, they had to provide the people with food and safety. It is around this time that the Zapotecs started practicing human sacrifice. It is suggested that this may have been an attempt by the nobles to show to their people that they were doing everything possible to keep the gods on their side. The strongest cities developed in central Oaxaca. Here there are three valleys, and three separate states formed, one in each valley. They existed in a state of constant competition and war until around 500 BC. Around this time, the largest, San Jose Mogote, appears to have suffered some kind of crisis and declined. Its people seem to have migrated up into a mountain which divided the three valleys. Here they founded a new city known as Monte Alban. This settlement would grow to become the largest city in the region. Soon it would conquer not just the other two cities, but many others in central Oaxaca. It was to become one of the most important centers in Mesoamerican history. The city was built around a central plaza, which probably formed some kind of ritual function. It's possible that it was laid out to become a physical representation of their conception of the spiritual world. It was also a very public place, and it was designed to accommodate crowds coming to watch ritual human sacrifice. Many aspects of Zapotec religion were probably imported from the Maya and the Olmec. This looking outwards towards neighbouring civilisations was also reflected in the clothes that the new social elite started to wear. This would include jewellery and clothes made from exotic stones and feathers. The Zapotec set up a system of tribute where conquered towns and villages would provide them with labour. Villagers would travel to the capital city and help out on great construction projects. In return, they were protected. Often this arrangement was voluntary, but when cities resisted, they were quickly met with force. The Zapotec Empire, however, was not a very centralised one. Due to their political structures, and the local mountainous geography, apart from demanding tribute, they probably didn't have much influence over the conquered peoples. Unfortunately, relatively few people have studied Monte Alban, and we know much less about it than we do about the Maya and the Aztecs. We do know, however, that they played the ball game and that they had an alphabet and writing system similar to that that the Olmecs may have had. There is one more civilization I want to make you aware of as we will be dealing with them next week. The Mixtec inhabited western Oaxaca and were closely related to the Zapotec. They experienced a massive population increase between 400 and 300 BC. This is about a century after Monte Albán really started to get going. Cities started to be built on the hilltops, and terraced farms started to appear on the hillsides, similar to those found in Asia. This meant that they lived in easily defendable positions. And furthermore, their food source was close to hand, they didn't have to go down to the valley floor. It's likely that the example of the Zapotec inspired the Mixtec. It could be that they copied what they saw at Monte Alban, or that they started to build these cities as they felt threatened by it. There was definitely contact between Monte Alban and the Mixtec, and we have evidence of trade. As far as we know, Monte Alban never conquered the Mixtec, and it seems that no Mixtec city had much luck conquering the others either. Like their neighbours, the Mixtec started playing the ball game and practising human sacrifice. There were a number of gruesome finds, such as burnt skulls. It's believed that these may have been sacrifices of prisoners of war. They seem to have held their god of rain in high regard, and it's possible that these sacrifices may have been in order to keep the rains coming. They also developed a hieroglyphic writing system similar to that of the Zapotec. Mixtec society seems to have been formed around groups, possibly kinship groups, and it was probably quite egalitarian. Some of these groups may have been high status, but it seems that at least in the early stage, differences between nobles and commoners were not very pronounced at least not as much as in other societies. Cities were ruled by councils rather than kings, and wealth was fairly evenly distributed. Each of these kinship groups would work together to try and improve their position in society. They would jostle for influence and position, competing against each other, and this may have led to a degree of instability in Mixtec cities. It seems that after a few hundred years this first wave of Mixtec cities collapsed. Many were abandoned. And there is evidence of fire at some of them. Some historians have suggested that maybe civil strife led to a violent end. It could be however that external pressure or environmental factors played a part. Like so many things with this era, we just don't know. So that brings us to the end of the episode. Next time we'll continue our rundown of ancient Mesoamerica and bring things into the classical era. It's during this time that the really big civilizations start to emerge. Until then, I hope you enjoyed the episode, and I hope you tune in next week. Thanks for listening to the Latin American History Podcast.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today